This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number four. And as I had shared in earlier episodes, the thought model as developed by Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School is based on years of research and application on the work of Byron Katie and many more. The underlying principle for the thought model is that circumstances, which are neutral facts, can trigger our thoughts, which cause our feelings, which cause our actions, which ultimately cause our results. The result is always evidence and reflects our original thought. So our feelings are always coming from our thought in the moment. Our feelings are what prompts us to do certain actions, which in turn lead to our specific results. Our results are directly linked to our thoughts. Over time, we develop thought patterns and our repeated actions become our habits. So how does knowing this help us? How can we create self-awareness in a way that serves our deeper purpose in life rather than from a space of self-criticism? Metacognition is how we observe our own thoughts in a space of deep self-awareness. True mindfulness comes with self-compassion, curiosity, and truly embracing being non-judgmental. So create a practice once a day, ideally at the end of the day, if you can create that time, but if not, do it whenever you can carve out five minutes to do a thought download. This is a space where you can journal your thoughts, the ones that you remember, the ones that come up during this time. Really, the goal is just to write down everything that comes up. Over time, you'll start to develop awareness on our thoughts in the moment, awareness on our thought patterns, awareness in our habits, and the space to pause and reflect during the day. Building this daily practice of journaling will help to build clarity and is a critical tool in the mindfulness and productivity systems framework to reduce overwhelm. Once you have downloaded your thoughts, similar to a computer download, then it allows us to analyze and to build our thought model from a single thought. We get to explore how our mind is thinking. So as an example, I took a thought from my most recent thought download. My thought was, I don't have enough time to finish my lessons with my children. My circumstance or the facts are that I homeschool my second and seventh grader and I've recently had an increased number of on-call days, thereby leading to the space where I'm thinking, I don't have enough time to finish my lessons with my children. 
children. This thought leads to me feeling overwhelmed and my feeling of overwhelm leads me to do actions that fit in that model, which included ruminating, getting upset with the children when they're not focused, when I feel like they're not doing their work fast enough, and generally not getting the lessons done which ultimately leads to my result, not getting my lessons completed, which confirms my original thought, creating the evidence for our brain to believe our thoughts as facts. So I decided to work backwards to create my intentional model. The result that I wanted was to complete my homeschooling lessons without feeling like I'm going to pull my hair out. And so I decided the actions that I would need to take are to work with the children in a space of encouragement and compassion. I encourage them to be independent and I help them to complete their hard lessons early so that even if I was busy, they were able to complete their easy lessons by themselves. I also realized that I control my schedule. So I changed the homeschooling schedule to be favorable to my needs. So having a lighter schedule during the weeks that I had more call and a more full schedule during the weeks that I was home and able to spend more time with the children. The feeling that I wanted to develop is confidence, confidence in my abilities as their mom and as their teacher, but also confidence in my intentional thought that I have chosen this schedule and it works for me. An intentional thought of I have more than enough time to complete the lesson plan plans that I have chosen. Now, we'll have a chance to explore the thought model and thought download, as well as how to create awareness to our unintentional model in the future. Eventually, we'll even start discussing how to intentionally create the life that we want, choosing the intentional thoughts that we want and the intentional model that we would like to live within. In the meantime, I encourage you to start your journaling habit. Start by writing down some of your thoughts today. Do you notice that there's a pattern developing over the week? The first step is developing loving attention to our mind and building mindfulness in the moment. I'm excited and honored to be your guide in this journey. Now, I'm so excited to welcome my guest for today, Dr. Stephanie Byerly. Dr. Byerly is a professor of anesthesiology and director of a high-risk obstetrical unit, a gender equity expert, a certified mind-body medicine coach, a physician wellness expert, the chair of the American Society of Anesthesiologists Committee on Women Anesthesiologists, and a certified life and weight loss coach. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. I would love to hear a little bit more about your story and your journey and how you've come to balance being a physician, being an entrepreneur, and being a mom. Well, thank you. I would love to tell my story. It's been a journey. So if you would talk to my sister, she would tell you that from the time I was three or four years old, I always said I wanted to be a doctor. And I spent some time in the hospital when I was younger, probably about a month when I was about four years old with pneumonia and got to be friends with a student nurse that I will never forget. And she and I used to fill the oxygen tanks at night with ice and go around and I would meet all the other patients that were the kids that were in the hospital. And I think then that was the time that I guess I internalized that I wanted to be a doctor. So went on that journey. I got a little sidetracked in high school and went to a performing arts high school for a little while. Thought I wanted to be in that part of the performing arts, but then got back to my journey to becoming a physician. 
had an interesting childhood, had some traumatic experiences in my childhood, which included some sexual abuse and some other situations that occurred. I thought going into medicine that I was going to really be with people who were these wonderful people and I was going to be taking care of people. I think that was part of my journey was really to have a different life than what I grew up with. And so I became a doctor, which was wonderful, got married, and then was in a not great relationship, ended up getting divorced. I have two wonderful daughters, but have been a single mom uh, since 2001 and pretty much been responsible for both of my kids. Really got into my career and suffered some burnout, two pretty significant episodes of burnout. I would say that my personal life was a bit out of control also at the same time and really had to say to myself, you know what, I'm going to have to figure this out. I am responsible for my two daughters. I have a wonderful career and I was really lucky enough to come across a bunch of people in different professions that were very helpful to me. I really had to do a lot of personal growth work because I really was living in what happened to me as a child and really blaming what was happening in my life on what happened to me in my past. So really living in some victimhood and really living my life with the thought that everything just happens to me and why do I have so much drama in my life? And so on my quest, I did something called psychodrama, which probably sounds odd, but it's when you get together for three days with people who are on the same journey that they've had some trauma in their past and they're trying to really work on their trauma. So you are sequestered for three days. You live out traumatic experiences of your life with these people. They play different people that were in your life and you try to basically rewrite that story in your brain. And so the facilitator was this woman who I would be terrified today if I met her in an alley, but she was like, this six foot tall shaman Indian woman who was also a nurse. Her name was Shirley. And she asked me, she said, Stephanie, why did you become an anesthesiologist? And I told her the reasons I wanted to help people. And she kept asking me. And finally, she was standing over me and I was looking up at her like terrified. And she's like, tell me why you became an anesthesiologist. And I said, apparently, I don't know. Can you tell me? And she said, because you've lived your entire life numb and you want to make people numb during the most horrible times of their life when they're having surgery. And when they talk about an epiphany or an aha moment, this light bulb went off and I was like, oh my gosh. And that really was the beginning of my journey to try to deal with my own personal issues and my burnout and how I could get out of this situation. So that was the beginning of a lot of searching. I was very fortunate to be able to pull myself out of it. And on the other side of that, really want to begin to help other people. And additionally, had some other experiences in my life with someone close to me who had addiction. And that really threw me for a loop and was very difficult situation for about six years of my life. And I will say that when we had an intervention for that person, it was also an intervention for my life. Like you need to figure this out. And that really was the aha moments of, okay, so, you know, so many things have happened. How are you going to finally deal with all of this? And it all really came together when I got life coaching and then became a life coach myself. That was a long story, but that's been my journey. Thank you so much for sharing and being open about your experiences, because I think one of the struggles in the journey of burnout and all of the things that contribute to it is that 
we feel like somehow we're the only person struggling. And that isolation actually adds to the challenge of that situation. So by sharing and by openly talking about it, I'm hoping that it will allow others to understand really that this is all just part of the journey. It doesn't mean that something has gone wrong or that they have somehow failed in a major way. And I find psychodrama incredibly interesting. I can imagine how just being allowed to rewrite our own stories, especially in the most dramatic moments, it must be really empowering. It's difficult at the time but when the effects after, when you actually play it out as an adult, because when you're a child or an adolescent and these things happen to you, of course, you internalize the stories with the brain of a young child or an adolescent where there's no really understanding it. It's just as it happened and that's how you process it. And then as you go along, as you get older, the story just builds. But if you can relive it and rewrite it and understand it as an adult, it's completely transformational. Now, I actually have done some other trauma therapy called EMDR, which also has been transformational for me. Thank you for sharing. It's good to yeah. know that there are options too for any of our listeners who may have had a traumatic event in their past. And if they were looking for a way to make sense of it and to move forward, because as we were chatting earlier, you'd mentioned a lot of times we really feel like our past defines us and we have these set thought patterns. So being able to redefine that and reshape our journey I think is incredibly powerful. Is there anything that you feel in your journey that used to be something that used to keep you stuck and hold you in place, but now really is probably one of the tools that you've used to push yourself to move forward? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that has helped me the most is to realize that I had so many limiting beliefs about my past. And that I always had to just be in protection mode all the time. So I always had these walls up automatically. And one of the biggest things that has helped me is to learn how to feel my feelings. And that was through life coaching and to let myself be vulnerable, uh, but to trust myself that I would be okay. And that if I allowed myself to finally be vulnerable and let my walls down, that I would actually experience a whole new world, but I could still trust myself to know that I had my own back, that if there was something that I needed to protect myself against or be concerned about, like we talk about red flags, that I could trust myself to see that and be okay with that. So vulnerability, feeling my feelings really has made me experience the world in a different way. For sure. I think feeling your feelings is pretty scary. <laughs> you know, yeah. I used to think, well, my goal in life is just to be happy. Like I want to be happy all the time. And so anytime I experienced a negative emotion, even after I started receiving coaching, every time I would feel upset or angry, I'd be like, there's something wrong. I'm feeling angry. And I was feeling so good earlier. So, you know, we try to fix it. And then actually I realized we are human. And our human experiences, we are going to experience at least 50% of the time negative emotions and 50% of the time it's going to be uh, positive. The, the way we understand light is by knowing darkness. Yeah. You know, the way we understand happiness really is because we've experienced sadness or any of those other emotions. So when I stopped trying to fight that other 50% and allowing it to be, it really did make a difference, but it's hard. It is hard. And when in life coach school, when I did learn that, like you were talking about, we have 40 to 60,000 thoughts a day and half are negative and positive. That was like the biggest weight was lifted off my shoulders because I thought, 
oh my gosh, I've been trying to fight these negative feelings and thinking there was something wrong with me this whole time. And now I just know that I'm a human being just like everybody else. And that I'm not supposed to be happy all the time and try to have a perfect life that we see on social media and and et cetera, or portrayed always in movies. So yeah, it, the life coaching has just been transformational for me. And I just hope for people that they realize about life coaching because everybody needs a coach. I have a coach. I mean, we all have coaches. So it's just amazing. My life really has changed. And I think coaching just allowed me to find light in a phase in my life that was really dark, that felt really uncertain. And I wasn't sure in the dark which way to go or how to make choices. There was a lot of indecision and confusion. And that's what I feel made the biggest difference for me is just having someone shine a light, travel the journey with me and help me navigate from point A to point B in a faster and more connected way than I would have been able to do it by myself. It also created a little bit of accountability, creating a space where I can build awareness of my thoughts and my limiting beliefs and what could help me move forward. Now, I found that coaching can actually have different impacts for different individuals. And I would be curious to hear what is one of the biggest change in your life that has happened because of personal coaching? So I would say that sometimes I didn't understand my reactions. And what it really helped me when I went understanding the thought model, as you've talked about in your previous podcast, that it's really all about our thoughts. And everybody will look at a situation and have different thoughts, but how it really leads to your feelings and actions and results. And sometimes I just didn't understand that I was more reactive than other people. And so now being able to look at my thoughts and and think on purpose or think intentionally has just absolutely changed every area of my life because I can have a conversation, say, with my significant other and all these thoughts might be flooding into my brain and I'm sitting here going, okay, before something comes out of my mouth, let me just decide, is this a fact or a story? Like, what am I really reacting to? And so the same thing has happened at work. Sometimes what I do, I get into very stressful situations and it has really helped me in those situations, not be judgmental of the people around me and their actions and actually of myself. So if I get into a stressful situation in the operating room, and maybe I reacted the way I, I wasn't the way I wanted to show up. I'm happy to go back and apologize to somebody because I realized it was not the way that I wanted to show up. And so now I think very much accountability because I understand why now I'm doing what I'm doing and then interpreting the way others. So now I know that the way that others are to me really cannot impact how I feel and that it's all really about how I feel about myself and that I only have control over myself. And all of these have just been freeing to me. Yeah, it's actually empowering to go from feeling like we're the victim of our circumstances, of other people around us, etc. And realize that even if we are in a difficult place, even if we are in the middle of burnout, that we still have control over how we choose to think in that moment. And to build that resiliency, to maximize our own focus of control has been incredibly empowering for myself. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And, you know, I think with burnout is so difficult. I really, I, I don't like to use the term burnout. I think 
think moral injury is more of the term because burnout really blames the individual physician that they're not resilient enough. And I think that physicians are probably some of the most resilient people that walk the earth. And all we do is become more resilient because we just normalize whatever we have to do to make it work. And moral injury really describes how the system is broken and how that affects us. So for me, the way I look at it as a whole person, about 20% of my ability to control burnout, I have myself and the other 80% is the system. So with the 20% that I have control over, I really want to be able to maximize my wellness. And I think that coaching has been a huge part of that, along with the other things that we do. Really coaching, the way that we've learned it is a mindfulness technique, but using other mindfulness techniques are just so important to me and the other things for self-care and the things that we need to do to be happy people because we deserve to be happy. We've gone through so much and what we do, we sacrifice for others all the time. And it's really time for us to be able to be happy and enjoy our lives Mm -hmm. that we've worked so hard for and to be fulfilled. And I think one of the biggest things for women is that oftentimes we just don't think we're enough. And we get on this hamster wheel where our brain is just constantly going, 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 beating ourselves up, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, overstretching ourselves. And we just put these expectations on ourselves that are unattainable. That is so true. I have been reading a book by Laura Vanderkam. She's a time management guru. And one of the things that I love from her writing is her quote, expectations are infinite but time is finite. So we get to choose how we manage our time by managing our expectations. We are human. We cannot fulfill infinite expectations because this just develops a space where we feel we are not enough. We think, well, why am I not really finishing all of these tasks on my calendar when in reality, it's really too much for anybody to complete? Yes, it is. And again, like we talked about, we're so resilient that we just think we can keep going and that we're superhuman. And then we get to a point sometimes where we just can't do it anymore. And uh, then burnout comes and it's a very difficult time. And it just seems like such a dark place. Or for me, it was a dark place and I couldn't see any light for a very long time. And I hate hate to see people struggling with that, knowing what they're going through and knowing that there's other things that they can do to get help. I would love to know, what is the tool that you found that was really helpful when you were going through burnout, when you were in that dark place and trying to find balance and meaning, something that helped you create that mindset shift? Some of the things that were very helpful were journaling and especially gratitude journaling for me to really look at, look look at your life, like look at the things that you've accomplished, the, the things that you could be grateful for every day, realizing that there was no mistakes in the universe, that everything that was happening in my life was happening the way that it was supposed to. And learning that how strong that I was and that I could overcome anything that came my way. So it got to the point where it was like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself with this. And then I would be successful at that and say, you know what, I can challenge myself with this hurdle and I'm going to start facing my past and I'm going to start dealing with these issues that I don't like about myself and really just positive change. I think that we that go through the process of becoming physicians, we really just forget parts of ourselves on the shelf. And so I really wanted to bring those pieces of myself back 
So trying to incorporate those creative parts of my life back. I really think on working about what do I really like? When I became 40, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I have a hobby or what do I like? I've just been on this journey for so long. So really just trying to figure out who I was and accepting those pieces though, and not continuing to say that I wasn't enough or criticizing those pieces and just incorporating it into myself. And, and finally realizing like you're enough, you know, and start enjoying your life. And when I started to get joy back in my life, I started to get empathy back in my life for my patients, for myself, for the people around me. And that was a huge piece was getting that part back because I had completely lost empathy. Yeah. And sometimes in this journey it can be hard to have any of those feelings, self-compassion, self-love. We start all of that first for ourselves. And when we find that for ourselves is when we can have those feelings towards others. So I think that's definitely a struggle. I love journaling too, by the way. I do agree that it's a huge tool for building our connection to ourselves and to finding the joy in that moment. So I think that's perfect. Now, when you're building that connection and learning more about yourself and creating that time for yourself, what are some strategies that you've used to create the time for yourself? And what do you do during those times? So I've had to... Uh, Adopt something called Monday Hour One from the Life Coach School. So what I do is on Sunday, I set my calendar and I block out time for everything that I have to do. And I have actually block out time for self-care. And so when I wake up in the morning, I do my thought downloads that really just helps get my brain kind of empty in the morning so that as soon as I wake up, my brain's not on a hamster wheel about everything I have to do. So I put it on the calendar and I actually block out space for exercise, time for when I'm going to ha have just time where I'm not really doing anything or focusing on, say, my business or things for my positions at work. And I will just have some alone time. And I have to take that time because if not, it's just what's one thing after the other, which I love to do, but it's so easy to get wrapped up in all that and forget about taking care of myself. So then the other thing I've been doing is the New York Times cooking app I'm obsessed with. And so now I'm trying to make all these fabulous recipes to, to keep that creativity of loving to cook and create food, because for me, cooking is like a thing of love. And so for the people around me, I just want to feed them with awesome food and have them just say how, you know, fantastic it is. So I've been been doing that and working on designing a bathroom, which is bringing some of my other creativity back. And um, I love nature. So going for walks, going hiking. These are some things that I love to do and spending time with my cats. People would call me a crazy cat lady and I have two cats. So I love to spend time with them and then my significant other making time for that and, and just, you know, having to block off time where I call it constraining myself from overdoing everything because I can get into that mode of overdoing. Yes, of course, especially as we begin to discover some of the fun things that we finally have time for, it is hard to constrain. I think that's a great idea. I use a very similar tool myself. I do a mindfulness and productivity systems weekly analysis on Friday afternoons and it has changed the way that I have even thought about time. Just realizing how much control we really do have in creating the time that we want to do the things that we wanted. We can't do everything, but we can do some things and enjoy them. And embracing that is perfect. One of the things that I do in my weekly analysis is looking at the wins for that week and just building that gratitude and joy in how 
much I was able to accomplish. I do consider some of the challenges that I've had and perhaps a way that I could improve upon for the next week. And then I spent majority of my time thinking about where do I want to build my focus for the upcoming week? What are some things that I can do that would help me accomplish that? What are some obstacles that I see that perhaps I could plan ahead? I try to be kind to myself and allow some free time, some white space on the calendar, because that really helps in making sure that we maximize the time that we are in productivity and also maximize the time that we are doing nothing and really just enjoying that peace and silence. So I don't think any of us could have predicted the last year. I would love to hear your perspective on something that you've learned in the last year that has really influenced your life and your perspective. I think my life, I was actually having so much fun, which included going out a lot and shopping a lot. I do love to shop. I love fashion. I think that it was getting a little bit extreme, to be honest with you. And then with the events of this last year, really started getting more back to the basic things that I love to do. I love being in my apartment. I love being comfortable and just getting used to being home and enjoying just the creature comfort things around me and then spending a lot of time with the people that are important to me. When COVID first started, we had sort of a little group of four of us. It was my significant other and his daughter and my daughter. And every weekend, it was like the three-day weekend of just being together, but just more, I think, connection with people that I had lost over being so busy all the time, but really just being okay, just being home and realizing what was really important, the basics of what was important and getting back to cooking and really thinking about that kind of stuff to make your home more of a homey, creative, warm place. Yeah, I think that is something that I've heard a lot from others as well. It's interesting that we have to be disconnected and do a reset to be able to build that connection. But it's almost a slowing down of life and being able to take advantage of that moment again. Yes, instead of always just doing, doing, doing and going, going, you know, going. Yes, I called it the great reset that I think that a a lot of us needed. I know that I needed it in so many ways. And I'm just grateful for where I work and being able to get back vaccinated and real, really honored to be where I am. Yeah, absolutely. I know that, especially as women, we tend to face some additional challenges. And I've heard you talk a little bit about the gender equity issues and how that can contribute to burnout. I would love to hear more about it and what you mean by that. So there are so many things that women face in medicine, and most of the studies are done on academics just because that's a group of people that you can study. And there are so many objective things like decreased rate of promotion to associate professor or professor, such a decreased rate of getting grants for research. Sexual harassment is still alive and well. There are so many decreased numbers of women who are more than assistant deans, so that are that are deans of medical schools or chairs of academic um, departments. 
And so we face these things and then the gender bias that we face on a daily basis where we can be marginalized or called by our first name or called a nurse or treated differently. If you look at, say, a private practice doctor's office and there's a male partner and a female partner, the nurses are most likely all going to go to the female partner and put expectations on her. Like, can you get the Christmas presents? Can you do this? Can you do that? Because it's acceptable to ask a woman if she says no, she'll be looked on not fondly, but if a man says no, that's sort of an expected response. So there's all this gender bias about how women are supposed to act and we do it to ourselves, we do it to each other and do it to us. And so there's always this overlying cloud that I feel for women that adds just another layer. And when we don't get promoted or we don't get the job or we don't negotiate well for ourselves, This just adds another layer of we're less than or self-doubt that adds to burnout. So true. And even something as simple as wondering how best to answer something, what's a good response? Because the concern is if a man is being assertive, that's great. But if a woman is being assertive, then there can be that struggle with being perceived as being difficult or aggressive. So just even the same behavior can be viewed upon so differently. And it makes it really hard. I've been involved in medical education and helping residents. And that's one of the things that I hear from the female medical students and residents a lot. They wonder how do they voice their opinions without being viewed as being too aggressive. And that's a challenge. Yes. And and as we talked about earlier in the podcast, the reactivity, I think that oftentimes women, if they show more of their true authentic self, And they may be a little bit more expressive about the way that they are. As you said, they're looked at differently. And so we become just to the point where we're like robots because we know we have to act a certain or talk a certain way, look a certain way. And that just takes away parts of ourselves and prevents us from being our authentic self. And that's when we really start putting those pieces on the shelf of ourselves to, you know, just become sometimes just someone just walking around, just functioning every day, who's not really present, just making it through the day, surviving every day, just to go to bed and wake up and do the same thing the next day. So I think all these gender equity pieces are just a dark cloud that's always hanging over us that just kind of puts an added veil on everything else and makes things just more difficult. Yeah, I was really just reflecting back to my own journey and remembering so many places where I felt like I couldn't be myself and I had to either not say what I wanted to or really just end up having to create this persona to be successful in that space. One of the things that has really changed my burnout journey is just owning myself and saying, this is who I am. And if that is not acceptable, then that's not my problem. Yes, exactly. And I've had to realize the same thing. And it is freeing though, when you get to that point where you can realize that and accept that about yourself. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish you could tell your younger self? What is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? I would tell my younger self to really try to keep the parts of yourself that made you happy before. Say if you were an artist and you love to paint or sculpt or cook, make sure you try to continue as hard as it is to keep those pieces of yourself 
and to find a community where you could share with people so that you don't feel like you are the only person going through this. Because as you mentioned earlier, I think that's one of the biggest things is the isolation and we judge ourselves so harshly and we think that we should be so strong and that we should be able to deal with anything and just walk around every day with a smile on our face. And that's just not part of being a human being. But if you could find people around you that are supportive of you and that you can talk to, we deal with some very stressful situations and who we become as a physician, it's like joining an entire culture and it's a journey and we change along the way. But just to have people that are there to support you and just love you and that I think makes all the difference and just really trying to keep those authentic pieces of yourself along this journey. Thank you. That's great advice. So if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? Yes, absolutely. I would love that. So there are so many women physicians who are exhausted and overextended and feeling like they're failing at everything. So I've created a life coaching program where we work together. And what we do is we get your power back so that you can get joy back in your personal and professional life. And we go through and talk about what things you would like to work on in your life. And we set some goals. And so I have my own business and it's called Healing Through Life Coaching. And I do one-on-one coaching. My website is www.physicianhealer.com or you can contact me by email at contact at physicianhealer.com. And I would love to set up a a complimentary consultation to talk to you about how we can start getting you the life of your dream. Thank you so much. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all the wisdom that you've shared today. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for doing what you do. You're just going to help so many people. Thank you for my wonderful listeners. I'm offering three free productive activity consults for the month of February. Please contact me at serenitywellnessmd at gmail.com to schedule your private consult and get started on your journey. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story, to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at serenitywellnessmd on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.